Good morning. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, all the kindergartners and first graders, if they would like, to dismiss themselves for Children's Church. Um, They could just follow out to the back to meet their teachers. Parents, if you want to know where we take your kids, um, feel free to follow them as well. But only parents. Uh, This is not the opportunity for the rest of you. I know what you're thinking. No, I do. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this is a new year. You're excited. You've gotten the whole family ready to go to church for the first time. It's going well. You can't wait to hear the message. And you show up and it's guest speaker Sunday. <laughs> I know. I know what you're thinking. Maybe you've been on vacation, right? And you've, you've missed sort of that. You know, that, that, that solid hit of, of good preaching every Sunday morning. And so you come with eager anticipation and yet, um, maybe, maybe you're visiting and you've, you've heard about this church in Hingham. You know, it's got the building project going on and you've asked around and you've heard they have this dynamic preacher. Right, this this guy that really just enjoys his stuff. He's this big brawny guy with a beard, and 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 you come in and you're thinking, well, they got the beard part right, <laughs> right? I know what you're thinking. I mean, and it's true. You know, some are blessed, like Pastor Jeremy, with with bulk and brawn, and 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 others, beauty and style. I mean, we all sort of deal with we deal with what we've got. I know what you're thinking. I've been where you are. I have an idea. You might be thinking about something else. Maybe like my family. It's the new year. And you're wondering, what's it going to be like? What is this year going to have? What's in store for me? For some, there'll be weddings, graduations. Births of children, the arrival of grandchildren, all the glee of living. For others, there'll be funerals. There'll be conversations with doctors. There'll be relationships that break. There'll be divorce. All the weight of life. You might look back on this past year like, like, like we did and, and see a lot of things you didn't expect at all to happen. We, we moved halfway across the country. Didn't expect that to happen. It's a blessing. We are glad to be back. We didn't see that coming. We buried a parent. We gave up two jobs and we placed it with one job. We received a medical diagnosis that has changed the daily operations of our family. Did not see it coming. So this year we'll certainly have a lot of comings and goings that we don't expect, that we don't see. And you might be wondering, just as we are wondering, what is going to happen in 2011? Or to put it theologically, what is God's will for my life? What is his plan for this year? This is what I want to speak to 
today. This is what I want us to think about as we read his word. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're using uh, the Pew Bible, that's page 1171. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18. That will be our, our primary text today. Page 1171, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians is a great letter. I love this book. It's a great book. It's one of the earliest New Testament books. It, it was probably written about two decades after the resurrection of Christ. It's likely one of Paul's first letters, if not his first letter that he wrote. It was written to a church that's fairly young in their faith, doing well, lots of questions, dealing with some concerns. And a lot of this letter addresses their questions, deals with things that have come up. It's a great letter. You can read it, and it's not very long. I encourage you to read it. You can read it quickly. But that's also part of the problem because things move very fast in this letter. It's easy to miss something. I think that's the case very much with our verses today. In fact, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to actually start our reading with verse 12. This is the context for which our passage comes into. Here Paul is giving some final instructions. And, and let's just begin our reading there with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers... To respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Did you miss it? It's easy to miss, right? I mean, this is final instructions. This is a laundry list, a very concrete, tangible life application stuff that Paul is giving, right? Things you can hang your hat on. Respect those who are over you. Help out those in need, right? Avoid what is bad. Hang on to what is good. Be patient. I mean, be kind. I mean, stuff that you're like, all right, good, concrete life application stuff. And then right in the middle of this list, he hits you. Be joyful, Always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These verses are quite striking. Actually, two things strike me about them. One is their brevity. I mean, be joyful always is one verse. Pray continually is one verse. If you ever need, you know, or get a test, memorize some of the Bible, go right there. I mean, you guys probably have already memorized it as I'm speaking, right? But the other thing that strikes me is the audacity of these verses. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. 
This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Do you notice the time stamp? Always. Continually. All circumstances. The audacity of these verses. What do we do with it? I mean, Paul clearly expects us to do this. I mean, he he has put it in a list of things to do, of final instructions. So this isn't some sort of idealistic thing he's put out there. I mean, personally, I like verse 15 a little bit easier. I mean, look at verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. I like that. Always try to be kind. That gives me wiggle room, right? gives me space. You know, so if I'm not kind, I can be like, well, I, I can try to be kind. I can do that, you know, not a problem. It would be much easier if Paul said, do your best to rejoice always. Strive to give thanks in all circumstances. Wiggle room, right? Love the wiggle room. But he doesn't let me do this here. He unapologetically says to me, be joyful always. Give thanks in all circumstances. So once I've come to terms that Paul isn't speaking metaphorically, he's not speaking in some sort of idealistic, but is actually having the temerity to say to me, to give me the imperative, be joyful always, what am I to do with that? Well, if you're like me, once I really deal with it, your response is no. Not going to happen. Impossible. Be joyful always. And I say no. Now, maybe you or maybe I, maybe I, we say it in anger, right? Head held high, fist clenched. Rejoice always, no, not with what I've got going on. I just buried a parent. I just buried a spouse. I just buried a child. Rejoice always, no, not with what I've got going on. I just lost a job. Rejoice always, I may not feed my kid in six weeks. Rejoice always, no, not with what I've got going on. My spouse just told me something that has rocked the foundations of our marriage. Rejoice always? No. Not with what I've got going on. Maybe we respond in anger. Or maybe, maybe we respond in shame. And we say, no. I'm not worthy of joy. I'm not allowed to have joy. I just confess something to my spouse that has rocked our marriage. Rejoice always? No. Not with what I've got going on. I've just put the financial risk of our family in jeopardy. 
rejoice always and we say, no, not with what I've got going on. I've just continually gone back to those sins that ripped my heart apart, to, to the addictions of of pornography, of, of alcohol, of drugs, of, of, of gossip, of pride, of, of jealousy. Rejoice always? No. Not with what I've got going on. Or maybe we just are too tired. Maybe Paul says rejoice always and we say no. The tasks of the day are greater than the strength of the day. Rejoice always and we say, no. Impossible. Give thanks in all circumstances. I'll be honest, this one burns me up. Give thanks in all circumstances? Seriously? Really? Give thanks in all circumstances? Hey, I just lost my job. Give thanks. Hey, my marriage is falling apart. Give thanks. Hey, I just was in my teenager's room and I found some things that has rocked my understanding of who my kid is. Give thanks. Really? This one bugs me. You know, the to be honest, if I confess, the the people I like to call the, the thank goodness people, they drive me crazy. You know who I'm talking about, and God love them. These are great people. But, you know, you, you get in a fender bender, right? You share it with someone, and what do they say? Well, thank goodness you weren't hurt. Yeah. Or maybe you've injured yourself, and you have surgery ahead of you, and you've got months of rehab, and they come back with you, well, thank goodness you weren't killed. Well, of course. I mean... Thank goodness aliens didn't abduct me. I mean, at, at some level, I can find something, right? But there are times I just want to be angry, right? And there are times I want you to be upset with me, right? I don't always want the thank goodness people. So what do I do with this? Be joyful always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now I know, right? I mean, I, I, I've done some study. I know Paul had a hard life, right? I know Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was put in jail numerous times. Like, I get that, right? And I get the fact that Paul, when Paul says, be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances, that, I mean, this is Paul saying this, right? This is a guy who has had the worst life in many respects, a part of me wants to be like, well, yeah, you're Paul, right? I mean, there's a reason you have cathedrals and basilicas named after you, right? I'm not you. And now, instead of having its intent, I read a passage like this. Instead of being joyful and instead of being thankful, I feel worse. Because now, to the list of everything else that's bothering me, I have joyful and thanksgiving to work on, right? I mean, I'm failing in that department as well. Uh, I'm being a bad Christian. So what do we do with this? Be joyful always. 
pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. In Christ Jesus. You see, those of us who by, by grace through faith have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have been rescued, picked up, transported out of the, the sphere of the world and into the sphere of Christ Jesus, into the radiance of Christ Jesus, into the source of all joy and all thanksgiving. We have been brought miraculously into Christ Jesus. Now see, the world has no joy. The world is impossible of being joyful. The world has no anchor. It, it, it just tosses to and fro. The world is frigid. The world is chaotic. The world is competitive. The message of the world is not be joyful, give thanks. The message of the world is beware, get yours. See, all the world has is the moment, is right now. And the moment is, is gone. The world can't help but be anxious. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? The world has no joy. It may have moments of happiness when something successful has occurred, it may have moments of relief when something has been avoided, but that's it. It has moments. The world is always anxious. I mean, look at Christmas. I mean, is there any time more wrought with anxiety than the Christmas season? All right, do we have enough gifts for both kids? Are they equal? Are they going to like them the same? Are they the right age appropriate? My coworker just got me a gift. Crud, I gotta go get her one. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, Christmas is full of anxiety. Who's gonna come to our family dinner? Is that certain uncle gonna come? What state will he be like? What will he say? What will we have to try to protect our kids from when he starts having a little bit too much of the wine? You know, I mean, this gets to be Christmas for a lot of us full of anxiety. We go to the malls and we're shopping and, and we literally are arguing with people in other cars who can't hear us trying to explain to them our blinker was on first for that spot. Right? And then you get through Christmas. You go you know, to the store. You go to the pharmacy. You're not met with you know, banners that celebrate your accomplishment. Nothing says, way to go, kid. You made it. What the world says is, have you thought about Valentine's Day yet? Right? I mean, it's always anxious. And how can it not be? The world has no anchor. In Christ Jesus. 
So how? How, as someone who lives in this world but, and loves Christ, how can I be joyful always and give thanks in all circumstances? Paul gives it to us. You might have missed it. It comes between being joyful always and giving thanks. Be joyful always Pray continually. Pray continually. Prayer is amazing. Prayer is amazing. Prayer, that, that blessing afforded only those in Christ Jesus, prayer transforms, transports, takes you out of your circumstances, out of the world, out of the, the chaos that's just bombarding your mind and places you in the very throne room of God. Places you in the presence of the living creator God, of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Prayer brings you there. So your gaze is no longer on your circumstances. Your focus is no longer on yourself. It is upon the wonderful, majestic, living God, prayer is amazing. I believe, I believe when we cry out to God, He gives us three promises every time. I believe when we pray, seeking relief in our wilderness, He gives us three truths. He tells us, I'm here. I know. And it won't always be this way. I'm here. I know. And it won't always be this way. When we pray, when we seek Christ, when we seek God in prayer, He comes to us and He tells us, I'm here. You don't walk alone. You never walk alone. Christ has promised that He will be with us even unto the breaking of the age. I'm here. And I know. The Creator knows. Who else knows better the brokenness of creation? He made it. He made it, he formed it, and he declared it is good. And he made man and woman, and he had a beautiful, intimate relationship, and it was very good. And humanity in its sin broke it. And it has reverberated throughout creation. What God knew to be good... It's bent. He knows. He knows. He knows intimately what it feels like to have a body that hurts. He knows intimately what it feels like to have a broken, pain body. He knows what it's like to feel rejected. He knows what it's like to have someone that you have spent 
time with. Someone you chose betray you. He knows how it feels to have those around you that you have given yourself to abandon you, deny you. He knows. He knows how it feels to hunger. He knows what it feels like to thirst. He knows what it feels like to be homeless and have no place to lay your head. He knows. I'm here. I know. And it won't always be this way. When we pray, God tells us it won't always be this way. Now maybe, and we hope that, you know, maybe the, the, the hurt of our body will be restored in a season or in moments. Or, or maybe the relationships that have been rendered apart will be reconciled quickly. We hope and pray that it will only be a matter of days. And sometimes our prayers are answered that way. But it may be only on that great day when Christ comes again that our bodies feel that restoration, that our relationships feel that reconciliation. But friends, there's going to be a day when our pain will be but ashes and dust blown away. There's going to be a day when our tears are replaced with shouts of joy. There's going to be a day when we will walk the streets of glory full, full of life in all of its goodness. It won't always be this way. Now, this isn't silver lining, glass half full kind of stuff. This isn't just grin and bear it type of instruction. This is the eternal promise of the almighty living God who says to you, it won't always be this way. I promise you. Prayer is amazing. There have been two times in my life where I really have felt the, the anguish and the weeping and the crying out to God. Two times that stick out. Both of them involve uh, my kids. In fact, those of you who know my kindergartner, Josiah, and his amplified presence, as one of his teachers described it, um, <laughs> you might think, uh, naturally, any type of angst full of prayer would involve Josiah. But it doesn't. It actually is my older kid, Avery. The first time was, I don't know, ten minutes after he was born. I'm holding Avery. And as I'm holding him, I notice the medical staff start to work very quickly. And I see them shouting my wife's name. And I look over. She's bleeding out. She's going into shock. She is closer to death than to life. That was the first moment. But the second moment, and the moment I want to talk about with you today, occurred about a year ago, December. Kim called me. She was on her way to the hospital with Avery. She had gone to the doctor, and he's been diagnosed with diabetes. That night was a night of weeping. I was in the chair on my knees 
and the confusion, the cacophony of voices in my head were unquenchable. The fear, the anger, the confusion, not knowing what was going on in my six-year-old's body. He was about to turn seven, and, and he has diabetes. And I had no idea what to do with this. Weeping. And there, in a place where only agony belonged and had its home, there comes I know. I'm here. And it won't always be this way. And as I go to the doctors, and as we meet with educator after educator and doctor after doctor, I'm here. I know. It won't always be this way. Am I joyful that Avery has diabetes? No. Do I rejoice that God is with us and He knows? Yes. Do I give thanks that He is insulin dependent requiring multiple injections every day? No. Do I give thanks that it won't always be this way? Absolutely. This is the power of prayer. This isn't just my story. This is your story. Many of you relate. And in this respect, it's really, it's the gospel story. I mean, the gospel story is God's great declaration. The story of Easter, the story of Christmas is, is God shouting to creation, I'm here, I know, and it won't always be this way. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. This is, is the Jesus knowing, Christ knowing the cost of what it would take to restore the bent and broken relationship, to rescue us sinners, and going to the cross so he can tell us it won't always be this way. This is him looking at death and saying, I'm here. I know, and it won't always be this way. The power of prayer is that it brings you into the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of Christ and its warm radiance. So what's the application? It's simple, really. Pray. All the time. Husbands, pray with your wives. All the time. Parents, pray with your kids. 
all the time. Pray as you're on the train to work. Pray as you're at work. Pray as you're walking. Pray as you're doing the laundry. All the time. Let prayer be a song in your heart. Let your life be a posture of prayer. Pray all the time. Consecrate this year, 2011, to be a year of prayer for you and yours. Pray all the time. This is God's will for your life. You who are burdened and weary, you who are drowning in the chaos, in the frigid coldness of the world, Come in from the cold. Come in to the radiance of Christ. Sorrow, sorrow may last for an evening. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy, joy comes in the morning. 